The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So Cal Thomas and Maureen McKeown were in Wexford at the weekend at the Kennedy Summer School where they did a piece with Larry Donnelly and we said, both of you please come and join us in the studio on Tuesday. Cal is here, but Marion isn't. Marion, was it something Cal said to you over the weekend that you don't want to be in the same studio as him? Well, let me just put it this way. I um, had to take a trip to the uh, emergency, accident and emergency department. Now, I'm not blaming Cal directly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it was anything he did directly. Um, The two events just came very quickly after each other. So, so, um, Are you all right? I am, of course. I I had a stupid fall, a slip on a wet step, and uh, that was that. But uh, but no, we had a terrific time. We thoroughly enjoyed ourselves in Wexford. Uh, Really fun. And uh, great to see my old buddy, Cal. And I'm very disappointed not to be seeing the two of you today so we can have round two. Well, indeed, despite we'll, my handicap, we'll still have the we'll still have the conversation and a quick recovery. Hopefully, you will have. Uh, ah, yes, fr- yeah. Okay, Mary, fr- I'll, I'll be happy to come by and uh, kiss it and make it well if you like. You're all right, thanks. And it's not that bad. But <laughs> 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 well, let's start talking about what are Joe Biden's ambitions because he's evoked the U.S. moon mission in a pledge to half cancer deaths over the next 25 years, which gave Dermot, my producer, a recollection suddenly hit him. Wasn't this something that President Jed Bartlett, the fictional president of the West Wing, once cited? So let's have a little bit of a listen to President Jed Bartlett and the real president, Joe Biden. President stood up. He said, we will land a man on the moon before the end of the decade. Why shouldn't I stand up and say we are going to cure cancer in 10 years? In choosing to go to the moon, President Kennedy said America was doing so, quote, not because it was easy, but because it was hard. I was elected president. I determined to supercharge the cancer moonshot as a central effort in the Biden-Harris administration. In February, I laid out our plan that is bold, ambitious, and I might add completely doable. The goal is to cut cancer death rates by at least 50%, at least 50% in the next 25 years. Life imitating art, Cal. Well, you may recall, Matt, that uh, when uh, Barack Obama was president, he tasked then Vice President Biden uh, with a uh, plan to cure cancer. And uh, he cited... uh, the then vice president's son who had died uh, from the disease. There, there are several things here. I'll get to the political part in just a moment. There is no one cure for cancer. There are many different kinds. There's leukemia. There are There's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There are brain tumors. So there's not one size cures all. Or if there were, uh, we would have made more uh, advances than we have by now. So it's certainly a worthy goal. But I think seven weeks before the midterm elections, there's clearly a political element to this. And for uh, Joe Biden to say this is like the Kennedy moonshot is something like him giving uh, control of the border to Vice President Harris. It's not going to work. But hold on. We do have things like vaccines. The HPV has mm-hmm. been developed, which has been a lifesaver mm-hmm. in many, many cases. 
The rates of survival for cancer have improved dramatically in recent decades, particularly from all the work of state-funded research that has actually happened. So is this not the sort of realistic ambition that a president should have? Or maybe you say it's not realistic, but should it not be the level of ambition that you would expect your government to have on behalf of the people of the country? Well, there are many diseases. More people uh, die from heart disease than from cancer. Cancer is the number two uh, killer in the United States. And again, it's not a single uh, disease. It manifests itself in many different ways. Uh, Some people are more uh, likely to get it than others, especially smokers, as we've known from the past. Fortunately, fewer people are smoking. But look, why announce this now seven weeks before the election? It's all part of a pattern to make Biden and the Democrats look more attractive for midterm voters. It's certainly a worthy goal, but I don't think it's going to be reached overnight, although I wish it would. Marion McKeown, what do you make of that? Well, Cal, you sound a little hoarse there. I think you might have been partying a bit too late down in Wexford now. I'm a bit bit concerned. But I I think with Joe Biden, um, I think, look, What's not to like about this? Cal's absolutely right. There are more than 200 different types of cancer, I believe. But research is the key and state funded research is an even bigger key. This is a, a win win because people should unite around a common purpose like this. Everybody knows somebody in their family, close friends, whatever, are multiple people who have died of cancer, sometimes very distressing deaths. So I think absolutely Joe Biden's son, we know, died from brain cancer. So it is something that is close to his heart. He has experienced the tragedy of it firsthand. And, you know, you give enough money and enough research and enough will to anything and you will make steps. And as you said, Matt, there have already been huge strides made, but it needs more research. And he's not saying he can cure cancer. He's saying half the number of deaths from cancer. Cancer will be a recurring feature. It's a question of getting the mortality rates down even further than has been achieved today. And also, I think there's no bad time to announce this. I don't see what's wrong with announcing it seven weeks or indeed seven years before an election or seven days for that matter. It's a good goal. It's an honourable goal that will uh, will improve everyone's lives. And uh, I say have at it. And, and, you know, already we've seen the strides that are made with immunotherapy. And on a more practical level, the amount of money that is spent on treating people with cancer, if you can prevent it or help to treat them more efficiently, it's going to save money. It will be good for the economy as well. I agree with that. I agree with that, Marianne. And I think uh, we should attack Alzheimer's and a number of other diseases, too. And you're quite right. Prevention is much better than paying for care. I am 100 percent with you on that. But I do think the timing of this announcement, why didn't it come a week after the election? Why didn't it come six months ago? or a year ago, or in the inaugural address of the president. Why now? But clearly, you're, you're sophisticated enough. You know how this works. And I'm not hoarse. I've just uh, been talking to Matt for the last hour. <laughs> but, Cal, I'm going to put it to you. I know you're not a fan of state intervention. You're not a fan of government. But doesn't it take government to do the big issues like this, such as, I know you're a fan of the idea of going back to the moon and using it as a base for going to Mars. That is something, despite what Elon Musk might be doing with SpaceX and Jeff Bezos might be doing, it really is something for the American government to do. If you're going to try and develop vaccines against cancer, well, you have to follow the example of one of the great Americans of the 20th century, Jonas Salk, and the polio vaccine, that these are not things that you can actually trust 
to the market and to profit-seeking corporations. Well, the market... Look at Pfizer, profit-seeking corporations and the COVID vaccine, Moderna, those are profit-seeking corporations. There's nothing wrong with making a profit. A profit is part of the incentive to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. So I think it's a a government-private partnership, and uh, there's certainly a role for government in this, but the real innovations uh, come from the private sector. Look at the amount of money we've spent on anti-poverty programs in America, $11 trillion since Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, and yet there are many as many poor people as before because government alone cannot fix that problem. And I don't think government alone can cure cancer. It has to be a partnership with the private sector. What, what do you think, Marion? Pri- Private-public partnership? Well, you know, I, I think I don't think Biden in any way ruled that out. And I think, yeah, if again, COVID's a really good example of this. Um, you know, Donald Trump, and one of the things that he did write where he basically... Uh, told that the the um, various big pharma companies, look, you know, we'll underwrite you. Just go ahead, find this cure. And if it doesn't work, don't worry, we'll pick up the tab. I'm not saying that, but that was what drove it. But it took the federal government. We saw the utter mess that Donald Trump made of of the uh, everything after that. It took the federal government and Biden was instrumental to set up a comprehensive program to make sure people got vaccinated. There is a big role for federal government in healthcare. It's not something that America generally realizes. But also, you know, we're talking about the number of people whose lives would be saved. Again, good for the economy. The number, this is a way of reducing poverty, Cal, because the number of children who lose parents, the number of, you know, to cancer, the number of families who are in America, especially who are bankrupted by paying for cancer treatments. Uh, this is all to the good. There's, I don't see any downside in this. Now, Cal, you want to talk about a feature in New York magazine on Hunter Biden's laptop. I think this is a significant breakthrough in the American media. The cover story this month in New York Magazine gets uh, into great detail, not just about the purient stuff of his uh, paying for prostitutes and other things, but into business dealings with China and uh, Burisma and uh, money allegedly that went to, quote, the big guy, meaning his father, then the vice president of the United States. Uh, it's like other stories that were covered by tabloid media in the past, the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton uh, situation, for example, that most of the major media ignored until it was broken by some other media outlet. And I think potentially this could open the door to accountability, not only for Hunter Biden, but to explain uh, the relationship uh, between him, uh, uh, his uh, associate at, a t- at the time named Bob Alinsky, uh, and uh, the uh, Burisma and uh, China and Ukraine and other factors that clearly, in my view, the uh, vice president's son traded on the influence of his father in order to make millions of dollars. Is that fair enough, Marion? You know, I actually think that this is something that should be looked at, but I think that there some of the things that you've claimed there, Cal, have not been proven. I've no problem with an investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop. I've no problem with an investigation if he got backhanders or if he did something that was improper or illegal. I understand there's already an investigation into his tax affairs. Uh, I would be now, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I would be very surprised because, you know, as journalists, we are told from the get go, look at the record, look at the record. 
Joe Biden spent 40 years or 35 years, certainly, in the Senate. He was consistently the poorest member of the Senate. He was never about money. He never went after money. He never tried to enrich himself, unlike most senators who are multimillionaires and indeed most Congress people as well. Um, so I would be astonished if Joe Biden was taking backhanders. But you know what? Have the investigation. If there is something there, I have no problem with it being investigated. But I think a lot of this, Hunter Biden is a deeply troubled guy. He has multiple addictions. He's He's been, you know, he's struggled with addiction for most of his adult life. Uh, I, I think that that deserves a respect and a privacy. There are other president's children, multiple presidents. In fact, you had children who suffered likewise. The Bush family have had experiences with drug addiction as well. I think that deserves an element of compassion and allow privacy. But if he has done something wrong, if he has broken the law, then yes, of course, he should be as as um, he's not above the law anymore. We say Donald Trump or anybody else is. Well, you know, Marion, there is no such thing as privacy anymore, especially when you're recording yourself with prostitutes in a hotel room. I mean, if you're doing that sort of thing, you've kind of given up the right to privacy, haven't you? Well, yeah, I mean, but that's out there already. You know, that that's already out there. With there's no there's no secret about that. And yes, you know what? You're right. If you, I mean, I I disdain that media coverage. I I abhor it. But you know what? You're right. It is out there. So I'm not going to argue about that. What about that point, Carl, that Marion brought up about senators and congressmen becoming multi-millionaires? How can that happen? <laughs> it's called lobbyists and special interests and uh, under the table money. It is a scandal, and it has uh, affected. Both both Democrats and Republicans for many years, you have people coming to Congress who are, are what I would call thousandaires, and they leave millionaires on salaries of one hundred and fifty or one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year. How does that happen, especially when they're maintaining usually two residences, one in Washington and one in their home state or home district? And then when they leave, if they ever do leave, they or their staff members get uh, cushiony jobs with lobbyists and get paid even more. So this is why I favor term limits. You get the them out before they can be corrupted. And let's move to Steve Bannon, former advisor to Donald Trump, Marion, because what's his legal position now, particularly about his own political fundraising? Yeah, speaking of corruption, I mean, you know, really... Yeah. Alleged corruption. He hasn't been convicted yet, has he? Well, he was pardoned on this. Now, he look, this case, he was... I I, I think all, all of the listeners out there will remember when he was taken off a yacht with his, his Chinese multi-billionaire friend. Was it March of, of uh, 2021? And he... he um, I beg your pardon, 2020. And uh, it was... This went back to the We Build a Wall. This was a campaign that was set up privately by a guy called Brian Colfage. He was an army veteran, Iraqi war veteran, a triple amputee. Quite a tragic case there. And uh, But he decided if he's a big trumper that they're going to build this wall, raise 20 two million dollars or 25 million dollars uh, for the wall. But Steve Bannon pocketed now it has been alleged okay it has been alleged let's be careful here that he pocketed up to a million that's what he was charged with that was what the indictment said the federal indictment but trump pardoned him had trump not pardoned him it's he would have he would have been subjected to a criminal trial likely convicted now the new york um state attorney uh, the, the district attorney um and and the state um us the us attorney for new york i'm sorry staggering here um uh, have have pursued him again on the basis that it, citizens from New York, Manhattan dwellers, had donated to this. And when Steve Bannon either... Now, interestingly, they're not accusing him of having had the money himself. The Fed said he took a million for himself. I assume they can't track 
directly the money that the New York citizens um, donated. They can't track that directly to Steve Bannon's back pocket. Otherwise, I suspect he'd be up for that. But he's up for fraud and for direct okay. being the architect of this scam. Uh, I think he will be very likely. There's a lot of evidence. It will certainly go to court. It's likely he'll be convicted. And if he does, um, yeah. he may well get a prison sentence, yeah. but he's probably going to get one anyway. Well, wow. this is an easy one to prove. Soon. I mean, if you're raising money to build the wall yeah. and the wall at the southern border is not being built, that's a pretty cut and dried <laughs> situation that even a first year law student could argue. Calm. <laughs> I see your former president, Donald Trump, is not getting an invitation to Queen Elizabeth's funeral in London next Monday. Mm. Would it be normally the case that former presidents would go? I mean, I don't think Barack Obama or George Bush or anything like that. Well, I, think on, I think he'd be a distraction, and I'm, I'm glad he's not going, frankly. And under other circumstances, I think he uh, would have gone, but he has such a corrosive personality, and the media would focus so much on him, the American media, and even the British and Irish media, if the Irish media cover it, they probably would, uh, and, and it would be a distraction from honoring the Queen. It's not about uh, Donald Trump. It's not about his personality. It's about the Queen and her service uh, to the UK. So, frankly, I'm glad he's not going. But wasn't he the Queen's favorite president? <laughs> at least according to himself. According to himself, yeah. Well, he gets up every morning and looks in the mirror and says the same thing about himself. Yes, he would be a distraction, Marion, I think, wouldn't he? Um, you know what? I think somebody should really remind Donald Trump that it is actually about the Queen, not him. I think Cal makes a good point there. Look, it's ridiculous, idea. The Queen, the royal family tried to slither out of meeting him for as long as they could. They only met him under duress, practically. And then, of course, he showed his buffoonery by striding off in front of her uh, and behaving with his usual characteristic arrogance and ill manners. Uh, there's no reason why he should be there. Why on earth does he even think he should be there? Oh, yes, of course, because he's Donald Trump. You know, it's ridiculous, the whole thing. Okay. Tell me, Cal, I know you're over here in Ireland since late last week and you touched down around the time when Queen Elizabeth died. But how much interest is there in the British monarchy in the United States? And given that you overthrew the shackles of colonial rule mm. centuries before we managed to do so. Why is there still such an interest? Even before I was born, Matt, since you keep <laughs> referring to my age. Uh, yeah, well, we were separated at birth. I mean, to use a phrase that is uh, uh, common, uh, they were uh, our rulers for a time, and there is still a fascination with the royal family. Frankly, I could care less about uh, Harry and Meghan. The American media are all over them all the time, and uh, we've heard that she has suspended her podcast out of respect for the Queen. Well, woo-hoo. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think people should get high office or any office simply because of their bloodline. I'm not a huge fan of the notion of the monarchy. However, I think if it is to prevail, Queen Elizabeth will have done a great deal uh, to, uh, to perpetuate it. And Marion, just talking about the sort of media coverage of things, what do you make of all the changes going on at CNN, which I think you know would have been described in the past as a leftist liberal organization by people like Cal chuckling here in front of me, but now it seems to be chasing Fox News to the right? Indeed. Can I just say, Cal, when you said that you were separated at birth, I thought you were referring to yourself and the Queen. I was going to say, gosh, you're looking good. <laughs> I'm looking better than she is right now. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, you, you know, this CNN thing is a little overstated. I don't know. I mean, I 
frankly, with and the same is true of all cable news channels, we could all do without their pontificating and and their skewering. I don't happen to think there are people on CNN that I think are way too partisan. Uh, you know, they're not on the level, OK, of Fox News, but they are too partisan. I think it's no harm to have objective news and if CNN will go back to objective news. But the whole thing about CNN and all these cable channels, including Fox and MSNBC, it's so overstated. Something like only 600,000 people a day watch CNN in the United States, about 2 million watch Fox, about a million plus watch MSNBC. So I Sorry, think Cameron, as, as a proportion, as a proportion of the population, 300 and, it's, it's 350 tiny. million. Yeah. It's, it's almost nothing. So I think that although we hear about these people, we hear about their voices, we hear about the controversies. In, in fact, most American people, I would say, outside of Washington, New York, rarely turn on in Fox News. It does have a wider audience, but but um, people tend to to look to their local news, certainly around the states I've found, rather than CNN. In, in most of the states I travel to, I've never been anywhere where CNN's been on or NBC, and rarely even Fox News. So I think, you know, if it does move um, to the right, and, and it may well be moving to the right, I don't think it's going to get any more viewers. People get their right fix, their extreme right fix from Fox. They don't want it from CNN. So I think it might be an error um, strategically for, for their new executive. But I think we'll okay. wait and see. Carl Thomas, yeah. Fox well, has never been the same since you left, has it? Well, <laughs> well I remember uh, Ted Turner told me years ago before uh, CNN started about his idea for a cable news network. And I said, well, I know nothing about cable, but obviously if you're going to start something, I think it'll be a success. And uh, he, it was a middle of the road, down the road, down the middle, straight shooting news organization. Bernard Shaw, who just died at the age of 82, uh, one of their primary anchors, a tremendous journalist. You have a lot of people now in the networks who do not have a journalism background. They're all talking heads, they're blondes, they're reading teleprompters of copy that other people have written. Uh, that's not the kind of journalism I grew up with. And I think that if CNN moves back toward the center, as it had during the Turner years, and later when Tom Johnson was president uh, of the media, of, of the company, I think it will uh, uh, be a lot more attractive. But, you know, we say a few hundred thousand people watch cable news. Well, you know, there's nothing the media like better than talking about each other. Okay, listen, we are over time, but Cal, I just want to finish. Marion, thank you very much for joining us, and I hope your ankle recovers very quickly. But Cal, uh, I know you're staying here in Ireland. Are you a bit shocked by the prices at present for things like hotels and car hire? Oh, don't you know? I won't even tell you what I'm paying for those things. Uh, I think everybody's trying to make up for COVID. Same in the United States. The airfares uh, there and here have gone up markedly, uh, but it doesn't seem to have affected uh, the economies in either country. People are traveling. People are staying in hotels. People are renting cars. So hopefully uh, they'll come down, but not drop as much as the stock market did today at 900 points. Okay, but you are in a position whereby American to the euro at the moment is in your benefit coming here. But mm. If you're, and I'm not going to ask you your hotel costs, but <laughs> I, I know you've been charged an enormous one for car rental mm-hmm. as well for a number of days. Mm-hmm. In, it mightn't stop you coming back, but can you see it stopping maybe people who've booked in who are here this year who say they won't come back again in future because of the extortion of prices here in Ireland? It could be, but I think what you have in the post-COVID effect, people are so anxious to get out after being a hold up for two years that they're almost willing to pay any price. And 
you know, the, the companies are charging it and they're getting it. Long term, I think it's going to be a problem. And as the number of people uh, decline who are renting hotels and renting cars, the prices, uh, given the old economic uh, equality of a, a supply and demand, will ultimately drop. Carl Thomas, thank you for joining us. Lots of people welcome you here to Ireland, including one says, tell Carl welcome, even though I never agree with him. Well, I'm sure I feel the same about you. Thank you very much. <laughs> the last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-